In today's conversation, I've got the real pleasure of being joined by Teresa Quinlan. Teresa is somebody that I've become really connected to over LinkedIn for the past 18 months, and we've had many great conversations. She is the founder of a company called IQ plus EQ equals TQ, and she really specializes in understanding and helping leaders to understand emotional intelligence and how that can make a big impact on the way that we lead our businesses. In this conversation, she's exploring change, the constancy of change, and also how we can stay curious to be able to further understand and be willing to explore what change can bring to us. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this great conversation. So hey, Teresa, thank you for joining us on the Micro Leadership Podcast. It's really, really special to have you here. So I really appreciate your time. It's an honor to be here with you, Hayden. I mean, I'm a super fan of you and things we've done together in the past have always been incredibly heartwarming, heartfilling and enjoyable. I'm excited. Thank you. That's really, really kind of you to say so. So you know that this podcast is about people and leadership. And what I love to hear from my guests is what really excites them when they think about kind of those concepts of people and or leadership. So, so what's the thing that really gets you, you buzzing when you think about that? I love this question. I do think of it quite often. What buzzes me and gets me energized, and I think maybe even the word fascinated is the best word to describe it for me, is that people in leadership are constantly changing. Like all of the variables of people are constantly changing, even when we're resisting that we need to change or are changing. And someone says, hey, you're different. No, I'm not. I'm exactly the same as I always used to be. <laughs> or there's, um, and there's a, a moment where we might even feel like we're staying the same. And when in reality, we're aging. So things within ourselves are even changing with or without us even paying attention to them. Different types of leadership. Every year, there might be a new one that sort of pops up. Hey, we'd like to add to the bucket of different types and styles of leadership. And we got like a new word to describe what leadership is. And I just find it fascinating how much we resist the fact that there's constant change around us. Mm. And what we would prefer to do is be in. I am me. I am this. This is how I lead. Uh, this is you as a person, me as a person. And, and I think we feel more comfortable and confident that we're static mm-hmm. when that is exactly opposite to the reality. So again, straight in off the bat, absolutely love that. I think that fascination with the continuous change is really interesting. Um, and I love the way you've articulated. So, so Typically, when, I, when I've kind of done these um, conversations with people, this fascination or this interest has typically been sparked by something. There's, there's either a, a single incident or a series of incidents that have made somebody really become aware of this. So what is it that's kind of created this fascination for you as you started to explore this continuous change and our, our reaction to it? Mm. Well, the first six months of 2020 <laughs> have been we've been able to witness, I think, that people are immensely adaptable and resilient and flexible, even if they happen to believe that they aren't. We've seen proof positive. So these kind of six months have brought this to the forefront for my own sort of thinking and reflection. Mm -hmm. For me, leadership was always a privilege. Mm 
whether captain of a sports team, class president, valedictorian, a manager, a director, VP, matriarch, patriarch, whatever sort of leadership role. Hmm. But when I was young, what I saw in practice were the container rules for leadership that kept it really stagnant and small, hmm. flat, even unimaginative. The rules around like power and status and authority belong to people sometimes because length of service, yeah. um, sometimes because of their age, sometimes because they just so happen to be the next one in line, yeah. maybe even sometimes because of their gender. And I didn't care for that. I didn't, at a young age, I really didn't care for a lot of rules. Mm -hmm. I, I found them, well, as barriers. And I wanted to try something. You can't because you're a girl. You can't because you're 12. You can't because, I was like, oh my God, it's just so suffocating to yeah. be in that space. And so as a kid, I, I pushed back against those boundaries and I lacked a, definitely lacked a certain savoir-faire when I was young and being able to do that in a way that, you know, uh, encouraged other people to say, okay, sure, give it a try. <laughs> I certainly maybe did it in a way that more solicited the an argument, no, yeah. you can't, and then use of authority and power. So uh, when I see today people taking that kind of action with their skills and, and truly wanting to influence change, I'm inspired by that. And, and I'm hopeful by it. That kind of human evolution is really exciting for what's possible. Absolutely. And I, so there's, again, there's so many things I don't think we're going to want to unpick as, of, of what you share. But you mentioned earlier about kind of we've got this innate desire to keep things the same. And it's one of the things that I always talk about when, when I'm talking to people about changes, we're not just kind of fighting the resistance to the change, but we're also fighting biology because mm. we want to kind of our brains want to keep things the same. Um, so how, do, how with that tension that you see between things are changing constantly, you recognize that versus individuals reaction to be who I am and stay within that relatively contained box that you described. How do you see that kind of playing out in your experience of working with the people that you work with as to helping them through that? Well, emotional intelligence has these really deep roots because, mm. you know, we'll get signals. And if we're aware of the signals, then we'll be able to pick up, pick up on them early on in the process a pretty common word that people will use when they're stuck is bored. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm bored. I can remember how many times I used to say that as a kid, I'm bored. And it's because I wasn't learning anything new. I wasn't exploring anything new, or at least I thought I wasn't. Of course I was in school and I was learning things, but they weren't things that were inspirational or meaningful or mattered to me. So I was bored. Mm -hmm. You know, leadership and parenting for me, it's kind of like the same word, yeah. <laughs> especially when I became a parent. And I was like, there is a lot of stuff we learn <laughs> in both of these that applies to each other. Yeah. And that, that self-actualization piece of emotional intelligence. So our willingness to learn and evolve when we aren't willing, we'll feel it physically in our body, low energy, low creativity. Um, we may even notice that because we're low on those scales, we tend to behave in ways that are really quite disruptive to relationships, even disruptive to ourselves. Mm. Spend more time on social media, kind of doing nothing and amplifying the boredom. 
that we speak in unkindness or cruelty or in anger with other people and we don't manage it really well to keep them at a distance, to keep away from paying attention to really what it is that we want to be doing. Mm. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of that emotional information is rooted in, in the fear of, well, what happens if I do decide to grow? If I decide to grow, if mm. I decide to change, if I decide to explore meaning and fulfillment, what does that mean I have to let go of? And mm. if I let go of that, what does that do to my identity? I, I don't know what it does to my identity. So in that fear, I choose to do nothing, but it's in that nothingness that I become more and more fearful. And, that, and then we just perpetuate a cycle uh, where we are unfulfilled. Mm. So I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and from the time that we've been interact with each other and, and kind of come into each other's worlds, you know, I've loved how you carry yourself, how you talk and how you represent positive change. I think you, you do that really well and you demonstrate real high levels of emotional intelligence. I know it is one of your passions. So I'm just kind of sitting here with you. So you talked about kind of the, the girl you were where you were fighting against kind of the restrictions that were put around you, the can'ts, uh, and being a little bit of a, maybe a maverick at that time into <laughs> now where I still think you're a bit of a maverick, but you do it in a different way. What, what happened for you in terms of that transition? How did you become the, the kind of, the Teresa we know today from the Teresa was the 12 year old girl who was maybe kind of less, I'm going to use the word sophisticated in the way that you dealt with it. And that's not meant in a, in a detrimental way. Well, I was thinking I developed tact. That's what I <laughs> so yes, that's a perfect word to use, Hayden. And this is case in point. I think you're demonstrating it here. Like you used a word that was a very accurate description of exactly what it is. So internally, I'm like, yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly what it was. So there's no resistance to your feedback of, is that what it was? So part of it is becoming authentic. Part of it is being connected to myself and the acceptance of, oh, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I can be. These are my strengths. These are my interests. These are my talents. So all of these other things around me, like should and expectation, mm -hmm. those are from other people. And if I want to respond to them, I can, but it's my choice. Like that moment and moments, because they don't just happen once, yeah. are so powerful and worse so powerful for me. So when people held up the mirror to say, are you aware mm -hmm. that when you go about saying it like this, it really turns people off. Yeah. And originally when I was, you know, in my early teens and I would get that feedback, I'd be like, so what? Like they have to be different. <laughs> and of course that wasn't right. Like, of course that they don't have to be different. I have to approach differently. I have to learn that there is a balance to what I'm doing. And I was really good at one end of it, the authenticity, speak your mind, um, say it straight, clear as kind, like yeah. Brene Brown, I love that statement, mm -hmm. but if you only end at clear as kind, <laughs> you're missing a very important piece of the formula, yeah. which is that other end of the balancing act. And EQ really allowed me to balance myself. It allowed those 
edges of my personality of competitiveness and directive and to have the balancing side of it of empathy and flexibility and and leading with heart and like if you don't balance the positive edge of mm -hmm. that sword then what shows up is the negative edge of that sword and you lose your influence absolutely so what was the thing that and it may not have been one thing but what was the thing that took you towards eq as the area where you were going to find those answers that you were whether you were looking for them or whether you needed them whichever way it was but what what, what took you there what made you focus in that area particularly i had one in my personal life and we were at a family gathering and there's nothing like being around your family mm -hmm. to um get good practice in emotionally what you're experiencing <laughs> so i had it was early on in my younger sister's relationship with her uh, then boyfriend yeah she become husband and and it was the first time he was around me and my mother but he and i had had several interactions beforehand and he knew me from work he was a mm. member at the gym and i was the manager at the gym and i helped him with his work so he knew me in an environment where i just flourished because it was meaningful work for me yeah and then he saw me with my mother and he saw a completely different person. And what he said to me was, why are you such an asshole to your mom? I've never seen you behave like this ever. I had no idea this could be part of who you were. And it wasn't the first time I had heard that. It wasn't even the first time I had explored it myself and went, why are you? But there was something about maybe the way he said it or something about how he looked me straight in the eye when he asked me the question, like he wasn't going to let it go. Or perhaps maybe even more so, it was he was so deeply offended by my behavior, even though I wasn't directing it at him. Mm -hmm. And it gave me the window to pause, yeah, the window to look through and go, mm, it's probably time for me to do something about that. And when I want to do something about anything, I usually go to the bookstore yeah. to find the book that's going to help me <laughs> learn more about something I don't know about, like intellectually don't know about. And yeah. the book that was facing out on the bookshelf was called Mama Drama. And that's like yeah. a signal from the universe going, this is the book. <laughs> and the first few pages, Hayden, there was this a section that talked about no one makes you feel anything yeah. you choose and it was it it was a mind-blowing light bulb moment for me and I went oh my god I'm giving away all my power and for someone who likes to be directive and competitive giving away your power is not something you really want to mm -hmm. do so it really resonated not so much from the point of you know expansion evolution lighthearted but more from like damn I'm not going to give away my power anymore <laughs> And that was the kickoff point for me to dig a whole heck of a lot deeper and start doing the work in things like impulse control, avoid making the same decision I'd made before, owning my own reaction and stop labeling those reactions, stopping the blaming process of she's making me and all of that. It was life changing. And I was 23. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's been a process. I'm 47 now. I continue to work on my EQ because there's always space to grow. Yeah. But that was the that was the pivotal point where if I was even to have stopped there at what I learned from that and learned from that work, I mm -hmm. still would be light years ahead as if I hadn't done just that part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Again, isn't it how 
how powerful it is when you get, as you say, the mirror just put up in front of you, whether you choose to seek it or whether it just happens, that then can make you recognize and realize some of the things that you're doing to people around you that you may not even recognize or, or realize at the time. It's hugely mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, social cueing is mm. important for a reason that people are letting you know the impact you're having on them. And when we see it and it makes us sort of shake our head or do our double take, that's a signal for us to pay attention is that they mirrored something back to us that actually is important for us. And oftentimes what we may find ourselves doing is resisting it and arguing or defending ourselves or, or usually defending ourselves, explaining ourselves instead of getting curious and saying, mm, I just noticed something in you that that is telling me I did something mm -hmm. that created an experience for you. I don't, I don't think I'm intending. Can you tell me what it was? Can you tell me what you experienced? In leadership, having the gumption, mm -hmm. courage to ask that question of the people we lead over and over and over and over again is what will propel us forward to be exceptional leaders of people because they will highlight your blind spots for you really quite clearly. They articulate it very well, but these are the spaces we need to work as leaders. And having that, as you say, courage and discipline to maintain an attitude of curiosity first, right? Because the minute we go to defense or justification, we've missed the opportunity to be curious because mm -hmm. our reaction is going to shut the other person down. So in the moment, how do you stay curious enough to discover that that's that's gold dust right there so anybody listening to this that's absolute gold dust right there is is creating that curious attitude and how do we stay there so i want to bring this kind of full circle back to the start of the conversation you said at the moment we've got this kind of period of significant change that has, has brought this reflection into your mind about kind of constant change and then what i'm hearing from you is there's a massive need and push and um recognition of the importance of emotional intelligence is part of that ability and the thing that I, i've recognized in, in this period of time is uncertainty has suddenly become a really common word mm. and i think as a population and as, and as a species we we try to convince ourselves of, of a false level of certainty prior mm. to covid we wrapped yeah. ourselves in belief that everything was certain and you could guarantee what was going to happen the next day where of course what i say to people is the world is no more uncertain than it was six months ago it's just we're all uncertain about the same thing now as opposed to our own things. So just talk to me about that, bringing it kind of full circle. So you're now, you've reflected on this, this kind of constant change, this uncertainty that's really kind of pervading the world at the moment. And you've got this real basis of curiosity as being the kind of a key driver around this emotional response and being able to handle um, our, our, um, our triggers and, and our, um, our reactions. So just talk to me a bit about kind of, how that's manifesting for you and what are you seeing and noticing as you started to reflect on that now? Mm -hmm. The past year, mm. I've worked with about 45 executives and mm -hmm. leaders to the owner's manual of each person that they were leading. Only three. That's a really low percentage. Mm -hmm even less knew their own owner's manual, <laughs> even less understood what triggers them emotionally. Yeah. 
and what that feels like when they're triggered and then how they're really behaving and how that behavior amplifies their own experience and then impacts the people around them. And in a part of that was forgetting. A part of that was forgetting what it was like to be an individual contributor. It, it was, they didn't remember what the need to be like validated and recognized to be seen for the contributions and values that, you know, every person brings forward. Mm. You know, this element of like, you should be doing this. I'm expecting you to be doing these things. They live in our workplaces, but they live in that container of everyone in this job must be in this container of skill set. And it's just so limiting to our potential as, as a human being, number one, but as a contributor on a team of people. And so I don't, I, what I think is, I don't think leadership has changed enough. Yeah. Really, I, I think we we still fail to spend the majority of our time leading people, uh, and instead, you know, we're spending a lot of time getting things done. Mm -hmm. And I remember specifically when I made that switch as a leader to stop doing the work of the people that I'm managing, mm -hmm. and strictly do the leading of the people to get to the depths of what is in their owner's manual. I had to do the work to figure out what was in mine first, which amplified not just how I was experiencing them, but it amplified my social cueing so I could pick up when people weren't doing well and ask them about it. And because I was doing the work myself, I didn't get nervous about asking because I knew I didn't have to have the solutions. My responsibility was just to ask mm -hmm. <laughs> and then encourage them to navigate it while also setting an expectation for performance and project tasks and because they live in the same space, just like we have to find the balance to if I'm going to be assertive, I must also be empathetic. Like we can't have one without the other. If we do mm. the pendulum swings too far and then everything becomes like a pile of dust on the ground, we're ineffective and unsuccessful. And again, just, the language you use around the owner's manual is so clear and simple to get hold of is and and the important thing again for people to tune into is doing the work on your own owner's manual first before you can possibly try and work out the owner's manual for the for the people around you mm -hmm. it just all starts there it starts to then as you say give you all of the cues you need to be able to then dip into and understand what's happening for others so i love that i think it's really simple and clear yeah well Oh, like if someone asked me to teach them how to ride a bike and I didn't know how to ride a bike, it kind of would be really hard for me to teach them that. So mm. if I want to learn someone else's owner's manual, what's in it and teach them how to populate their owner's manual so they can communicate it with me, I have to have gone through the process myself. And so then I can coach them through the process, not tell them the process, mm -hmm. coach them through the process. Because in essence, when we figure out our own owner's manual, it's a process we're guiding ourselves through. It's like self-coaching, yeah. really. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's not then about saying, okay, well, I've got my owner's manual, so I'm just going to give you the pages from mine and you can put them into yours. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because turns out our owner's manual doesn't say static. <laughs> yeah. It's con just when you think you nailed it, you discover something new about yourself. Right. And you have to change pages of your book. Either we're erasing things and leaving them blank or we're writing new chapters. Absolutely. What a powerful thought that is to, to be thinking around actually that we've still got the, 
ability to influence our owner's manual going forward. Mm -hmm. So what's your kind of biggest piece of advice? So people listening to this who are either setting out on their leadership journey, maybe fresh into to leading others, or maybe have been doing it for a long time, but just are looking for something that kind of um, can help them to, to make their strides. What would be the one thing that you would give as a, as a piece of advice or guidance to our listeners? At first, you know, what first came to mind was sort of a response around like always be learning. I thought, no, wait, because <laughs> learning has an implication for me anyways, an, an implication of I'm adopting new knowledge. And so then I'm going to integrate new knowledge and I will change the things that I do. But, but sometimes that whole thought is then I'm just creating more absolutes. So maybe we're going to do ABC, always be changing, always be curious. The comfort zone is called the comfort zone for that reason. Comfort is where we become stagnant, small, flat, unimaginative. And I'm certainly not saying that sometimes, you know, we, we that we always have to be in this constant need for evolution. What mm. I'm saying is sometimes we do need to coast and give ourselves that space after we learn or change. There's an integration application. What am I going to do with this assimilation even? what you and I were in a session with Simon Rogers impact in the room session. And do you remember like the first question he asked us was around who are you? And with my partner, I came straight out and I said, I hate this question because it implies that I'm done. Mm. And so I can answer it. And so what I dislike about it is there's a definition that I can give people when they ask me that question, because the truth is I'm an evolution mm. and in working with other people, they mirror back to me that they are an evolution. They prove it to me time. And again, you know, individuals in our, in our evolution, it's kind of like people have mind blowing breakthroughs in how they see and understand themselves, which always leads them to doing something differently. And that impacts every single person around them. And their evolution is rooted in the fact that they're willing to evolve. Mm. So, so maybe the piece of advice is wrapping our own self around the truth in how willing am I to evolve? And the greater my willingness, so the more I can set aside fear of losing something mm -hmm. and maybe turn towards the love of gaining something, because evolution implies gain, <laughs> mm -hmm. then I open myself to any opportunity and I don't have to know what that is. I'm okay just kind of being open. Open. I absolutely just love that expression of the advice being being willing to um being willing to uh, to change that willingness to to allow that thing to come towards you mm. and that openness because you're right and what i'm hearing in that was that you've got the fear on one side and then you've got the the gain on the other and of course we, we've got this real um balance that happens between fear and fear and op opportunity uh, and too many people I think are driven by the fear too much that they cut themselves off from the opportunity because they're not willing to go there so I think it, you know what a what a wonderful piece of advice to finish finish our session with it would you know it's fantastic thanks we 
something quite interesting, fear and excitement manifest themselves by physical signals very similar to each other. Mm. So we have this great thing called a brain and it is a crazy supercomputer. And if we keep the programming as programming 1.0 instead of helping it evolve to 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, simply by making different choices. Yeah. If I used to believe that these signals were a signal of fear, stop, and I upgrade to 2.0 where I'm like, oh, these signals mean excitement, go, opportunity, evolution, then mm -hmm. almost immediately I respond differently to that emotional information. And now the door is open. Absolutely. So to, to finish this session with that, that thought is to just the same physiological reaction, but we can change the narrative of what, what that means to us is such a powerful way for you to then step forward into evolution, willingness and the change where we kind of start the conversation. Teresa, I've got to say, this has been absolutely magical to spend this time with you and to hear your thoughts and to hear a bit of your story as well. Really do. It's been a, you know, it's been a real privilege for me to share this time with you. So I just want to say a real heartfelt thank you from me for, uh, for making your time to come on the, uh, the show today. You're welcome, Hayden. Thank you again for inviting me and for asking some really great questions that even helped me explore a little bit deeper. So one thing before we go, Teresa, how can people get hold of you? Where can they find you? LinkedIn is a great space to be able to find like my profile and things that I'm, things that I'm doing and having the go and it has a direct link back to my website as well, which is www.iqeqtq.com. <laughs> Perfect. We'll make sure that's all in the show notes for everybody as well so they can all get hold of you. Great. So once again, thank you so much. We really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did, we would love you to go onto your preferred podcast platform of choice and give us a rating. And if we're really keen to grow this audience, so if you know somebody who you think would benefit from tuning in and listening to these podcasts, then please tell them all about microleadership. Thanks for listening. Look forward to seeing you again on our next episode. Hello and welcome back or welcome to Micro Leadership. This series is designed to help you enhance your leadership by sharing the extraordinary ideas of others who just like you are shifting the narrative about how we best lead and creating a brighter future. My name is Hayden Bratt. I am the founder of Mindset Leadership, a leadership coach and author. I truly believe that people leaders are critical to the future success of our organizations and create amazing places for our brilliant teams to come and do their roles. These micro conversations are designed to help you with practical, actionable tips and techniques that you can instantly apply to your own leadership practice in your organizations.